Today's episode of Meet the Brave is sponsored by The Based Space with Ian McKee, the Bay Area super producer who's worked with the likes of Pilo, Rex Life Raj, Collaborate, Kate Lamont, Kev Choice, Turk, and yours truly. Also has some other awesome placements with the likes of Kodak Black. I've actually had the privilege of working on all of my album, Last Marauder, with Ian out at his studio in Pacifica. He has launched a podcast called The Bay Space, where he sits down with some of his favorite creators and people he just is intrigued by, doctors, you name it. He's had great guests and it sparks great conversations and usually ends in creating um, or or he, sometimes it starts in creating, uh, whether it be he's working on a song, a, a brand new track, working on an album with someone, it usually begins or starts with creativity. I actually am on his most recent episode, number 35, where I went and discussed, you know, my most recent battle with my keloids and some other stuff. So it's a great conversation. Please get over and listen to the bass space. Subscribe, like, and share. Be sure to keep up with Ian McKee as he continues to evolve and expand his sound and his overall creativity. Be sure to follow him on Instagram at the Ian McKee, I-A-N-M-C-K-E-E on Instagram. For now, let's get into this episode of Meet the Brave. a back-to-back doubleheader however you want to look at it man um thank you to everyone for listening to part one with job at best uh olympian former nfl running back star of the detroit lions um and actually a, a childhood friend and teammate um so that was that was incredible um the feedback was amazing and because like i said it was so in-depth and so rich with thought that I wanted to offer it in segments to let people really digest and sit with it, man, because it's an incredible story. Um, and also, we can do whatever the hell we want. <laughs> uh, I really, I Clearly, I'm enjoying that part of it, too. Um, so we're going to get into part two, but I also wanted to update people on what we have going on. Us at, at the Ave Records, DJ Flo and myself, we will be traveling this week. We'll be out in Brooklyn, New York for Beat Society. Um, it's such a such an honor to be included in the relaunch of Beat Society because so many of my own personal favorite producers and MCs like were sort of cultivated and and discovered through that particular arena, whether it be connecting with um, an artist or or an A and R, somebody that would help break their career. When you think about the likes of Ye, Dilla, um, Shoes, like all these 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 incredible names, man, and and to be included in sort of the relaunch and rebrand. We think about Odyssey and all all these different people that have come through. Um, to be included is incredible. So we'll be doing Beat Society Thursday. Live from Brooklyn uh, at Littlefield. So all my Brooklyn people get at me. Um, and then Friday during the day, right before we get on our plane to come back home, we'll be at uh, Rock and Soul a Record Store in Brooklyn uh, doing some more shit for people who won't be able to catch Thursday, man. We, w- we wanted to really set it off right. I mean, being, being able to touch down in New York and we'll have a ton of merch. We'll have uh, physical merch. Uh, shout out to Slop. Shout out to Antrix, man. For uh, the whole the whole at the Av family for holding each other down. And done a, a ton of dope releases coming out. So look for that. But then all our Bay Area people that are gonna be looking for us will be back in the Bay. Cinco de Mayo live from People's Park, uh, the twenty second annual Hip Hop in the Park with Planet Asia, One Below. It's, oh man, it's going to be dope. It's going to be so dope. And we got some special guests coming out on our set too. So make sure you get there. If you need any more details, get at me on Instagram, FR33MANI, and I can get you any details you need. For now, let's get back into my conversation with Javi Bess. Um, This is part two. 
stop me if I'm if I'm off. But I imagine it was the game was crazy fast first few games of freshman year. Oh yeah, yeah, and then it has slow. And then it slowed down, down. yeah, because yes. you you just look like look like a video game after a while yeah, in college, yeah. and it was and it, and that goes back to those 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 comments that people were making in high school it was like, well, we ain't playing it, and then it's like now can we yeah. have the conversation, <laughs> you know, and so. So okay, that that's 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 nice to know because again, this is outsiders like just on some spectator shit. It looked like it was easy, you know. And so you saying that, yeah, it, you know. the game definitely slowed down, yeah, and it got to the point where uh, we call a play mm. and be, based on the defensive like positioning and mm. what they were lining up, what they were running, I can I can kind of narrow down what kind of play they were running yeah. if they were blitzing or not, and I would know where the hole is going to be before we even snap the ball. Wow. And so, and and that's an, that's another part for me too, the relationship between quarterback and running back, but the running back and his own line is so fascinating, oh, yeah, yeah. dog. Like I that that I don't and and it's it's all it, the shit all stems from Madden. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I don't ever remember like the trenches ever being a thing until like playing Madden and like being hella fascinated by holes. And then realizing, like, nah, that's that's communication. Like, yeah, they're, like, they're in sync. You you guys all have to be on the same page. That's crazy. And, uh, it just takes a lot of practice, a yeah. lot of film watching. Yeah. And then um, uh, a big thing that we used to do is we watch how uh, linebackers take on blocks. Hmm. And so if you know how a linebacker likes to take on blocks, you can kind of anticipate where he's going to end up based wow. on the play that you got caught. Wow. And so... Um, it's just it's a lot of a lot of little things going to being a running back, man. It's like uh, it's almost like a little guessing game. Mm-hmm. You got to make the the linebackers think you're going to the six hole, which is the outside, mm-hmm. and so you press that. And then once the linebacker commits to the outside, that's Bounce. when you put your foot in the ground and you're going straight up where wow. he where he was. Yeah. And, and so it's just it's just a lot of repetition, and then a lot of uh, just knowing who's in front of you, knowing your lineman. Talk about the uh, the mental the mental part of uh, rehabilitating after that that junior injury and and if you I mean if if you if you if you don't mind talking about you know the play and then yeah. you know do you how much how, have you have you you've talked about it before yeah right? I've definitely yeah, yeah. talked about it before yeah. so uh, we called we called the little power we were in a wildcat formation mm-hmm. so I was a quarterback and. Uh, I ended up bouncing it out to the outside. And um, so my eyes were kind of looking towards the pylon. And I saw the DB coming. Mm-hmm. And I could tell by his body language that he was going to go for my knees. Yeah. So my my initial reaction is to jump over him. Yeah. So I jumped. But uh, as I got in the air, somebody else came and hit me from the side. Mm-hmm. Next thing I know, I don't know where the ground is. Wow. And then next thing I know after that, I'm waking up in the hospital. And so... Uh, what actually happened is I, I, I got knocked out for maybe like 45, 45 seconds. Mm-hmm. And I came That's to, a long time to be. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Came to on the field, but I have no... You, you don't have any recollection no of that. No recollection yeah. of that. And then they rushed me to the hospital, um, got checked out and everything. Uh, but the main problem was I had herniated a disc in my back oh, man. from that fall. Mm-hmm. And so... When I had came to, like, I couldn't even walk at that point. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Like, I was I was stuck in the bed for about a week because I, could, I, couldn't, I couldn't really move my left leg. It was pinching my nerve. Oh, my goodness. And so uh, I think it was about the eighth game of the season. Mm-hmm. And so uh, by the time the season had ended, I was walking, but I was walking with a limp. Mm-hmm. And then that's when I kind of made my decision uh to to go to the nfl but as i made that decision like i couldn't even run at that point wow and so um at that point it was uh i had already selected i had just selected my agent after Mm -hmm. i had uh declared that i was leaving Mm -hmm. and at that point the only thing that was on my mind was focusing on getting Getting right for the combine the combine i think was in march so i had uh I was training in Florida. Mm-hmm. I had moved to Florida, I think, like the first weekend in January. Mm-hmm. So I had a couple of months 
to go from like walking with a limp to to running four three. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was how, crazy. How, how, that was how mentally and physically tough was that? Uh, it was it was tough and it, it, it goes back to the, the time management. Uh I would wake up early, like six o'clock mm. and I would go get my rehab from my from my back. Yeah. And then go do some weights and then come back and do my exercises for my rehab for my back. I was like that was like That's all I you was did. an expert rehabber. <laughs> That's all I did. Every, every I my birthday is even in January, and um, a lot of the guys that were out there training in my same group, they were going out and they were partying. You were, yeah. It was like the first time they were free. Yeah, I was like, man, I gotta go. I gotta run a four three at yeah. the combine, or yeah. else this is all bad. So wow. I was focused on training and uh, rehabbing, mm-hmm. and um. Uh, I was fortunate enough. I had good agents. They mm-hmm. sent me to uh, a man named Dr. Pine in mm-hmm. uh, New York, and that guy did some miracles to my back. Yeah. He's a, a chiropractor slash like physical therapist, mm-hmm. and he really like sped up my uh, the sped up the healing process. Yes, yeah, sped up the healing process and got me back to running. And then mm-hmm. once it got back to running, then I had to run make sure I could run fast again. Yeah. And it was it was a grueling process. How long how long would you say it took from combines in March, right? Yeah. So it was like uh like mid February is when I kind of felt like I didn't I, I didn't really feel a hundred until after the combine. Combine, but, yeah. But going into the combine I was I was pretty close. Yeah. Yeah. And were you Damn, that talk about betting on yourself though. Yeah, yeah. Like that's what I think that's what I'm stuck on. Like I'm trying to move ahead with you, but knowing that that's how you made that decision, like, well, I gotta work. Yeah. You know. And uh I think that's one I tell I tell my athletes that's one thing that uh I feel like set me apart from a lot of different athletes hmm. is that I'm gonna bet on myself like one hundred. I'm gonna yeah. go all in for myself because I know I'm not gonna let myself down. Yeah. So I knew uh I just knew in me that I could I could bounce back from that, and that's why I decided to to go to the league because I knew I could I knew I was gonna be able to rehab I knew I was gonna get to the combine and I knew I was gonna run a four three. Were you were you in the in the between the hospital and like before you know before getting to Florida? Were you ever scared at any point? Uh, nah. That's, that's one awesome. Th- that's that's one amazing. Thing that that's never, amazing. That's that amazing. Never settled in, and uh, uh, it was like. The like as soon as I really came to like the first things that were on my mind, bounce back. Yeah, and it wasn't even bounce back to go to the league. Like the first thing that was on my mind was like, we still got games left in the season. Like, how can I get back out there? <laughs> and they're like, bro, yeah, relax. They, you know, yeah, playing. they was like, nah, it's done. <laughs> and but that was where my mind was at. My mm. mind was like, all right, all right, let's. How are we gonna get back? How fast can I get back? What were the conversations like with your your mom and dad oh, when man. you came to? Were they were they scared? Did they- uh. My dad, my dad was pretty chill about it, mm-hmm. um, but my mom, she was like, "It's over. Like yeah. you should, you should, you should stop playing football at this point." Yeah. But um, I mean, I understand that she sees yeah. her baby get knocked out. Yeah. So, uh, but um, yeah, man, it was just uh, I just bet on myself. You bet on yourself. That's, that's what you really got to do, and uh, and you get then you get to the combine and do some. Outrageous! Yeah, I, did, shit. I did some. I did some numbers at the combine too, and um, but not. Just, I think every. I think a lot of people just talk about the forty time, but it was you. You did. You had some other crazy measurements yeah, at the combine um, too. My vert was thirty five. Uh, Damn. Yeah, like in all the categories, I was mm-hmm. up there with the running backs. Yeah. Bench press was nineteen. Mm-hmm. Um, my weight was one ninety seven. Mm-hmm. It was uh, everything I wanted to do. You did it. I did it. Yeah. Yeah. And then, what do you remember? Do you remember? So, were you were you and your agents having conversations before about yo? This is what they're projecting you. This is the buzz that's out prior to. And do you remember how that changed? Uh, like immediately after the combine. Uh, our 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 kind of thing was uh, he knew the teams that that were kind of interested in were at Already. least showing that most interesting prior to the combine uh prior to the combine okay okay and then even after the combine okay and so um it was just a matter it was a kind of a tricky situation because Mm -hmm. i had that injury yeah and so he was like we we know such and such teams are interested in in getting you but Mm -hmm. we don't know when Mm -hmm. and um 
So it was just really on like proving to them that I was healthy. And how much of that is analyzing like the need for each team too? Yeah, I mean okay. that's where it's really at. Okay. Because uh, it depends though. Because sometimes you get athletes that teams just can't pass up on. So yeah. They'll just draft them. Uh, regardless of if they have a need or not, which I think I would have been if I wouldn't have had that injury. We'll see that, and that was because I'm I'm one of those crazy people that watch the combine. I don't know why. I just it's just something. I, and I, but it, it's and but it's more so because the performance stuff always takes a while to get to. I always like the commentary around it. They they usually pick some really good people to um to um to sort of an, to be analysts and be on the panel that year or whatever and not for I I don't know why I can't remember who's on the panel your year but the conversation was like yo we don't know where he's at health wise but if he's there that's not an athlete yeah. you pass on yeah. and that was like consistent but then there was uh, there was one there was one person on the panel that was like yeah but but health you know they just kept going there and the other and the other was it was it, it might have been Michael Irvin may have been doing it by then he was like, nah, that's it not some... Been, uh, Marshall Falk, <laughs> Marshall too. Falk, there you yeah, go. It might have been Marshall he was like, Falk. no, that's not... In in terms of just... Just like... A, at the, he kept referring to you as Swiss Army Knife. like, And, and, and it, it, you know what? It was Marshall Falk. Because he, he could like, no, somebody that can be in the backfield and receive, like, you don't... That's not yeah, something yeah, you pass yeah. on, you know? And um, I remember the conversation they had before you ran and the conversation <laughs> after you ran. And I was like, that's crazy. Now I wondered if, you know, if the, if your agents receiving, were getting different energy after like how the energy shifted in the conversations after that. Uh, but then another thing that's kind of interesting about the whole draft process is there's teams that want to keep their picks like a secret. Mm. And so for example, the lions, that's the team that I got drafted by. Mm. They never once picked up the phone and called my agent when I was at the combine, they didn't interview me once, and it, it's a funny story because wow. <laughs> the day I, the day I got to um, Indianapolis, which is where the uh, combine is at yeah. the Colts uh, Stadium, mm-hmm. the day I got there, the first person that talked to me was the Lions running back coach, and at the time I didn't you even didn't know. know he was the running back coach, <laughs> and uh, he I don't even think he had Lions gear on, but he walked up to me. He was like, "You're my guy. I want you." He was like, "Every time we have meetings, I'm going to bat for you." Da, 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 da. And you didn't know where he was from. And I didn't know where he's from. And he and I just figured like it's a whole thing. So I was like, I'll figure it out. He's gonna interview me again. I'll see. I never, <laughs> never saw him saw again him. until I got to the actual Detroit. And then he was like, Damn. Do you even remember I talked to you? I was like, What? This is crazy. <laughs> but um, but they did that because sometimes like it gets like, out and teams start sabotaging. Yeah. yeah, like uh, they the Vikings actually had the pick where I got drafted. Wow. And then the the Vikings actually traded that pick to mm-hmm. the Lions. Yeah. And the Lions took me. And then the Vikings, I think they had like five picks later. They actually drafted a running back too. Wow. And you remember so who it was? It was uh, Toby Gerhardt. Tem- oh, Gerhardt. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so. They went back. Pack, pack 10 heavy. Okay. Yeah. And so if the Lions. Like, we don't know now, but if the Lions would have been more vocal about they were looking for a running back, you never know if the Vikings would have gave up that pick. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it it's interesting. Like, the team yeah. that – I think the team that showed the most interest in me was the um, the Chargers mm-hmm. and the Jets. The Chargers and the, the Jets. The Chargers wow. ended up taking um, – Ryan Matthews. So okay, they so they got a running, running back. back. They were, yeah. He was, was he Fresno? Yeah, Fresno. Okay, yeah, yeah. I don't remember who the Jets took. I don't think they went running back. But uh, the the Patriots also showed a lot of interest in sure. me too. But they didn't. I don't think they went running back either. Damn. That, so you ever think about where you could have ended up? Uh, nah. No, you nah, didn't get it wrapped up nah, in that. I didn't get wrapped up into that. So then, so then you get what was you remember much about draft day? Oh man, draft day was nerve wracking. Oh my god. So I get a phone call about like maybe two months before the draft, mm-hmm. and um, the guy was like. Uh, we're we're gonna invite you to the draft, and he was like, "Uh, the first thing I want to say is this does not mean that you're gonna get drafted Drafted. in the first round." Yeah, and he was like, "We just like your story. Uh, we've been following you for a long time, and we we'd like you to be a part of this experience." Do you you know who this is? (laughs) I I can't remember his name, but But did he he identify like where he was from? Who he's with? Yeah, yeah, he was definitely from the NFL. Okay, he was part probably one of the coordinators that put on the draft. Okay. And so um, he was like, he was like, you can you can take a second and like 
talk to your family and see if it's right for you if you want to come. And mm. I was like, bro, I'm coming. <laughs> we don't need to talk about <laughs> I that. I was like, I'll nah, be, it's a once-in-a-lifetime once chance. I was like, I don't care if I get called, my name gets called or not. Like, I'm coming. I'm going to be there. <laughs> but um, they put you in the little green room, all the players, and then they have thousands of cameras in there. There's yeah. like a camera at each table. Damn. And so there's a camera just like staring at your face the entire time. And the process takes a long time. Yeah. I don't know how many hours we were in there. Yeah. But we like first pick goes and then you see that table. Everybody starts ce celebrating. Second pick goes. There's a guy over there celebrating. Yeah. Third, fourth, fifth. Then we start getting in the 20s. Yeah. It's getting empty in there because people, after they get drafted, they, <laughs> they dip. Cut. It's getting empty in there. Uh, I think there was like, by the time I got drafted, I think there was only like four people in there. Damn. And uh, so it got quiet, and then we're, everybody's just sitting there. It, it got kind of awkward. My you? agent, my it was my agent, uh, and my whole family. Okay. Uh, my girlfriend at the time was there too. Uh, my agent was pretty good because he kind of kept the conversation kept it going. Light, yeah, yeah he he cracked jokes, <laughs> tell stories, because it would get like awkwardly silent. <laughs> everybody's just looking at that phone, waiting for it to ring, and um. The last, the I think the Jets had like the 22nd pick or 23rd, somewhere around there, mm -hmm. because that was my agent. We had the little paper and we had the, li the list of teams that were interested in me. And when that, I think it was the Jets, when that pick went, I was like, man, we were probably going in the second day, the second round. Yeah. So I had already like texted my cousins, like figuring out what we're going to do later after the, uh, after we leave the event. Yeah. It's because in New York, huh? In New York, yeah. yeah Radio City Music Hall. And then... It's just like just like that phone rings and i like looked around and i was like is that our phone <laughs> so i pick it up and at the time it was, like i said on the tv it said vikings were picked and so like initially i just thought adrian peterson i was yeah. like i'm about to be running behind adrian <laughs> peterson like who who better to learn from that but then uh like the I answered the phone and they were like, this is the detroit lions we just traded up for you da -da -da. we're excited da -da -da -da. And and the funny story is too, they actually already had booked me a flight the next morning. They did. They, yeah, to wow. come out and do the whole press day. Wow. In Detroit. But uh, at that point, I mean, I was just so excited. Did you think? Did you think Barry? Because I when <clears throat> when I heard Detroit, I yeah, thought yeah, about yeah. Barry instantly. I was like, damn, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely thought Barry. Uh, definitely thought the same kind of thing at Cal. Yeah, you got like shoes to shoes fill. Shoes to fill, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And uh, the the funniest part is, I was like, man, what what's in Michigan? The only thing I know about Michigan is Eight Mile and Eminem. That's it. <laughs> That's all I know. That's all I know. And, it, and, and then the, the cold part is, I look up on Google because I don't know anything about the Detroit Lions. Yeah. Detroit Lions. So I look up on Google, and the last year they went zero and sixteen. So I was like, oh uh. man. <laughs> <laughs> but the but the cool because I I know like the Pistons like their arena isn't in Detroit but the but the how about Ford Field is is it's right right it's in the heart of it yeah, yeah okay, the, okay and the Pistons they actually just they have a new stadium they moved back in okay yeah. cool, cool cool but yeah they were out in I think it was called Auburn Hills Auburn Hills yeah, yeah and that that was far it was <laughs> about an hour away from downtown but damn. the Detroit Lions Stadium was brand new and it was nice damn so when you so you get the call what's the what's the What's the what are your what's your parents doing? What's everybody doing? Everybody, like, I think my mom started crying, uh -huh. and then um, it's like it it just happened so fast yeah. because the uh, the phone rings, cameras run over, cameras are all on your face. You answer the phone. They were actually talking for too long because the people that were running the like the draft show, like, on, they're like, man. "Come on, you got to get on the stage. <laughs> you got to get on the stage. You got to get on the stage." And so when I hung up, it was like you rushed straight to the stage. Yeah. Roger Goodell hands you your jersey, and then you take the picture, and then you're back in the thing. And it was just like, oh, it, it, it happened like, so fast. What does Goodell say? I always wondered. He just says, like, congratulations, welcome to the, uh, I think he said, <laughs> welcome to the family, or welcome to, I forgot. Does it feel personal, or is it like a, is he like a recording by that uh, point? It was a, it was a little personal, because... Uh, I think he cracked a joke on how long I took to You're get up there. Oh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, because he was just sitting there waiting for me to pop out of the little uh, curtains. But um, man, it was it was a great experience. Yeah. I'm glad I uh, I'm glad I decided to go. To go yeah, yeah. yeah, and that was another time that I kind of bet on myself too. Speaking of going back to that, because uh, you like you could 
I mean, I don't know what it feels like to sit there the whole time and not get drafted. But, it's but been that people was that have, yeah. But the, that was definitely a fear, and yeah. I definitely I went thirty, and there's only the, that was like <laughs> that was, right on the edge, yeah. <laughs> but that 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 you know to get that to get your projection as a third rounder to go shit, they I'm I'm gonna just work, yeah, you yeah, know. Man. Part of you, part of you knew that was in the cards for you, you know. But was there any, you know, was it a sigh of relief or some sort of indication? Like nah, I'm I'm nice, you know. Uh, it was kind of like uh, you're talking about when I got drafted. When you got drafted, yeah. Uh, I'm yeah yeah at the same time, but it, it I'm time I'm the type of person that like it doesn't matter how much I accomplish. I'm kind of always looking what like I look in the mirror and be like, all right, what are you gonna do now? Yeah. And so when I had got drafted, like just that night was like celebrating. But when I woke up that next morning, Just get to work. Yeah, it was kind of like, all right, now now we start. Like, yeah. you've been dreaming about this your whole life. Now it's time to make it happen. Man. So it was like, now I'm starting. And so it it wasn't too much celebrating. It was kind of like more, let's, let's get to work. Let's get to it. And then what happens when you land in a D? Like, what is that like? like- uh, man, that was crazy. Uh, first of all, Detroit is... Uh, a unique city <laughs> a unique i'll put it that way uh just just the history of that city oh, all yeah. the all the uh, stuff that rich. it went through yeah it's rich man it's a lot uh it was just like a, a eye-opening experience mm-hmm. when i went downtown like you would see a brand new hotel or brand new building like just dressed up nice everything a couple of blocks down is a boarded up building with like graffiti all over it wow so just like the the mix of just like new stuff and torn down stuff and like uh one day I just took a drive this is like a little further down the road when I was actually moved in there I just took took a drive and drove through some of the neighborhoods mm-hmm. and there is literally blocks of houses where the whole block is abandoned wow yeah so it was just like it it was it was crazy as an eye opening experience but um the the city of Detroit is dope. It's dope. There's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff. There's a lot of good people. It's just got a lot of it's got a lot of bad history. Yeah. What and then what 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 is the you know what's the protocol or what are the steps they they take? Is it the team or is it the NFL that tries to get you integrated within the community or is it just yo you here for work like how 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 does that part of it uh the team the team definitely implements that Mm -hmm. uh the detroit lions they had a um kind of like a ymca Mm -hmm. and so they had a a a little after school program where they helped uh inner city kids that just didn't have anywhere to go yeah and here's a eye-opening example I, i went there maybe like 10 times but one of the first time i went I met this kid and the second time I went we kind of had a little conversation and connected the second time I went I was like where's where's that kid at and he actually went to juvenile hall because he had to steal cars to make it to school so every day he was going to school he was stealing a car to driving to school and like the 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 I don't remember the guy's name that ran that place, but mm. as he was saying it, he was like tearing, tearing up, up, yeah, because he was like it's just he was like it's a it's a tough spot because he was like this kid, yeah, he was doing bad things, but he but was, he was doing to, that he to, was get to get school to school because in Detroit it's it's hot sometimes, but mm-hmm. in the winter it's, it is freezing, like yeah. you can't walk, you can't walk to school, you Damn. can't, you and so it's just a tough tough spot. Damn man, yeah. You, you were part of that um, resurgence of the team. Um, was Matt Stafford wasn't there by yeah, then? Yeah, he was. Oh, he was. He was there. Yep. Was Calvin there by Calvin then too? Was there. So you, you were that piece that they were like, yes, yeah, that, you know, that final piece. Yeah, yeah. What uh, was there any? Was there anyone there to sort of like rein in and go, all right, guys, like, yeah we need but we need to be we know was there anyone there to sort of like uh harness everyone's optimism or their excitement and kind of be like yo like relax we got some work to do or was it like immediate like now nah, we we we're we gonna be able to contend 
in our division now. Uh, we we kind of had that we're gonna contend mm-hmm. in our division feel. Uh, Jim Schwartz, it was his first time mm-hmm. uh, head coach, so we kind of came in with like a uh, I don't want to say cockiness, mm-hmm. but a lot of a lot of confidence. Yeah. And um, my my rookie year was tough, man. Uh, the first game of the season, I had I had got turf toe, Damn. and um, I had scored two touchdowns that game too. Mm-hmm. But uh, I had got tackled and got turf toe, and I ain't never had turf toe in my life, but, and that is not something you want, <laughs> especially being a running back. Yeah, I had it on my left foot, and that it, it like at week one it was okay, it like hurt, but it was okay. Week two it was all right, but by week six, like it got to the point where I couldn't practice the way I wanted to, wow. I couldn't work out the way I wanted to. So by the time we got to like week twelve, like. It was it was bad. I, and, I I actually played in games without cleats, like you know the shoes where it's just got rubber rubber on the bottom of them. Yeah, I actually had to play in games with just like tennis shoes. Some some hoop shoes out there, because, out there, and some because I couldn't wear cleats because it it would hurt my foot. But yeah, and what, so my rookie year was definitely tough, tough damn, sled. Man. Yeah, what uh, what was the hardest part about transitioning to the NFL? Uh, the hardest part, man. Man, that's a tough question. Uh, I would say it's it. I would say the money part. Really? Uh, yeah, because I mean, I I ain't never really had no money before yeah. before I got drafted. So, uh, just learning learning how to be a businessman. Hmm. Is that instant too? Is like if you no, you... it's like it's still today. <laughs> yeah, but it, but I mean that you know the the immediate responsibility that comes. You know, whatever the signing bonus is, or whatever, whatever the first that first initial like bank transfer, you like, uh, yeah. Is this I mean, <laughs> it's crazy because you see how like the dynamic in your family is switches immediately. Yeah, because it's like you went from being like your parents providing for you for you to you being the breadwinner in Damn. your whole family. Damn. And so it you went, and then for me, it's like it's a complete shift because yeah. I went from being the youngest in my family. So my whole life, like my whole family took care of me. Yeah. And then in an instant you flip that upside a, down and uh, it's like, now everybody's looking for me to take care of the family. Yeah. So that part of it. And, um, and then also uh, time management again, Damn. I'll go back to that because now when you get to the NFL, you don't, you no longer have school. You no longer have like, advisors you no longer have it's kind of more the league is kind of more like a job Hmm. so your running back coach isn't going to be making sure you're not doing going out making sure you're not like nobody's checking on you (laughs) nobody's checking on you like when you get to this level you're supposed to be able to police yourself at, at, at this time and so um that for me was kind of the uh that and managing the financial side of it mm-hmm. was kind of the hardest part the f- football is always going to be football yeah like i had to learn a new playbook uh i had to keep working out but that that kind of stays consistent no matter high school college pros but it's all the off the field stuff that that just comes becomes a lot mm. uh more serious the higher you the higher level you reach and then the you know the you hear the uh, what what is it uh thirty for thirty did that did that broke uh, oh yeah yeah that yeah. was special yeah um the business advisors and accountants yeah. and all that shit like how 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 nerve wracking does that become to go find you know try to try to decide on these people or was that was that easy for you you know was it uh no nah, it, it actually wasn't but uh I was in a fortunate position that um we had a family friend that was a financial advisor That's awesome. And so I had never met her. I, I don't even think I heard her name until I got drafted, mm-hmm. but m- her and my mom used to work together back mm-hmm. when they were younger. So we I was like my if my, if my mom trusts this lady then She's good. Imagine, imagine makes the process somewhat easier. Somewhat easier, yeah. yeah. And then um, another thing is like uh, I pay attention and I learn from people's That's mistakes. Good. So yeah. um, a perfect example of this is every year there's a rookie symposium, 
so after you go with your team and get acquainted with your team and like figure out where you're gonna live and stuff the nfl has this rookie symposium where they invite everybody that's uh that got drafted mm. and you got panels of ex-players current players all just sharing their stories and experiences like they had people up there talking about how they spent all their money they had people talking about how they saved all their money and now they have businesses yeah they have financial advisors giving you tips they have uh coaches up there ex-coaches like all the free game you want you mm. can soak up and i was i was at the rookie symposium with a paper and pen kidding it just jotting stuff down That's writing stuff down recording stuff on my phone and um and i'd look around and i see people just on their sleep. phone just like yeah not paying attention <laughs> yeah. and uh i mean i don't know if that's just my upbringing or whatever but um i pay i pay attention to those things yeah. because i understand how important this the process was yeah yeah damn man and then you know so how how long would you say cuz i know you said even to this day you're trying to figure out the whole businessman part but yeah. How long into, you know, being a pro did you kind of go, or at least I kind of have a a grip on it and I can, I can get back to, you know, focusing on the shit, on, on football? Uh, it, was, it was funny timing because mm-hmm. it was my, my second year in the league mm-hmm. and then that was my last year playing. That was it. So it was like uh, I still got like a like a little taste in my mouth that mm. like I had a little I had a little slice of the pie but yeah. I didn't really get really get to eat. Yeah. So it was uh, unfortunate, but that's just the way it goes. Yeah. I mean, the average career in the NFL when I was playing, I was told is two two it's and a two, half years. Yeah. Yeah. And so uh, I had three on the roster. Mm-hmm. I only played uh, my rookie year and then six games into my second year gotcha so um yeah it was it was tough but uh at the same time like like i said earlier i've always been a type of person like what what's next yeah so no matter like if i have great success or terrible failure i'm always just kind of like that happened what's next what um you know and it and then because it that the play it was a similar play, wasn't it? Yeah, it yeah. was. It was. It was a little similar. I was running down the sideline, and I it was same similar because I I hit my head on the turf, mm-hmm. and um, it was actually just like a. It wasn't even as bad as the one in college. The one in college was way worse, but mm-hmm. um, the one in the league, it it, it seemed like it was kind of routine. But there's a uh, like the more concussions you get the the worst the effects are mm-hmm. and so um after that one we were playing the 49ers and we were actually five and zero at that time mm-hmm. My it was lit. <laughs> yeah and um and we were i think we were up at the time and then i had to exit the game and i thought i was gonna be like one week maybe yeah. maybe two weeks and i'd be back at it yeah. but then that's when the the whole world just started flipping around on me and um I ended up flying around the whole country, getting, getting, seeing different doctors, neurologists and everything. And, um, when it really came down to it, it was, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was a hard pill to swallow, but, mm. uh, I was like, man, I, I, I see the older players that are having problems and I don't want to become that. Yeah. So I felt like, uh, it just wasn't it wasn't it wasn't worth it to risk my body people um that and it was i think that was that might have been the same year or right around the same when when it when it patrick willis and chris Borland and them quit or retire uh, was that right after you i think that was like a year or two after okay and and you know in in the you know in the media it was it, it like set everyone off but your ability to you know look at the look at the look at some of the alumni that was a that was a again that was a conversation that was a narrative that was clear to everybody like yo some of these cats don't don't end up okay yeah wow and, and um it's just it's just tough because at the same time I had dreamed about playing yeah forever yeah, yeah. and so and at the same time I was at the best like physical shape that I had ever been in mm-hmm. but it, it's like the concussion things is just like you can't really feel them it's, until it's too scary. late. It's si- until like it's too late. Silent, silent. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
and it, and then it's also timing too because mm-hmm. if 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 i was born in like 79 instead of 89 like nobody even cared about it exactly so it was it was also a, a matter of the timing that i was i was going through all that stuff are you um if you don't mind me asking are you at peace with it or is it still uh, yeah about, okay yeah i'm at peace with it there's still a little part of me that's like dang yeah. i wish i could have uh played for longer but but that's healthy though that's like the yeah. healthy part of it got yeah. you got you got you but at the same time it, it's not worth it uh it, one one thing i struggle with today like i don't have any kids or anything mm-hmm. but it's like would i would i want my son to play football have you decided yet you gonna I wait i haven't decided but at the same time it's like it's 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 tough yeah it's tough because the um like the the threat is real mm-hmm. for some of these older guys that have been playing for a long time mm-hmm. and having multiple multiple concussions so it's definitely a tricky situation but at the same time football teaches you so much about yourself yeah. and about how to how to uh respect authority how to team uh, that teamwork, teamwork element man yeah. is real so uh it, it's a tough one yeah it's a tough one what um what's the what's the process or the protocol did you talk to Schwartz first did you talk to the guys first who, who did you talk to anyone did you, was uh, it? at the it, it took so long for for like the decision to actually be made mm-hmm. it took like like I said it was my second year it was the sixth game and I didn't know for sure until training camp of my third year mm-hmm. so that's uh, almost a full year yeah of me seeing doctors and just acquiring information about what I'm actually up against. Do you, and do you travel? Were you traveling still? Yeah, I was. Or with the uh, team you were still traveling? Yeah, I was traveling. Okay. And so uh, it was it was tough, man. But uh, my running back crew at uh, the Lions, I had Kevin Smith, Maurice Morris, uh, Aaron Brown, Jerome Felton. Uh, we had a we were pretty close, mm-hmm. and so uh, it was just like, man, they kind of they kind of felt this position that I was in. Mm-hmm. And I just, I just really had to make a smart decision, yeah. and not, not a decision based off of like my heart. Yeah. My heart wanted to play, yeah, for sure. But uh, I had to be smart about it. That's, um, that's, in, that's inspiring and like compelling as hell. Cause it's, I like being a young. There's that young male, you know, just natural energy. Like I'm invincible. But to be thinking on some legacy shit, it's yeah. like. Hey, like we got let's 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 switch this up and I think what you alluded to, you know, you with your parent like your parents and, and all all of the you know, all of the things that you were afforded did help you make a really great decision because then, you know, you were able to then leverage all of that dedication to track. And did, was that did that factor into the decision, or did that come way after you? That had... actually came way after. Wow. So, uh, what year was this? This is like 2013 ish. Mm-hmm. I, I moved back home to uh, California, mm-hmm. um, fully out of Detroit, and uh, the first thing I did, I went, I went back to uh, coaching, mm-hmm. and uh, I was coaching football at my high school, and. I had no thoughts of track at all at that point. Wow. None. Zero. Like, it wasn't even in my head. Yeah. Uh, That was actually when the music kind of picked up. Mm. And so um, that was when I really started making beats and um, really trying to get better at making beats. Mm -hmm. Um, But I enrolled back at Cal because I left as a junior. So So I was like, let me me go get my degree while while I'm not playing any sports or anything like that. Mm Mm-hmm. And while I was there, um, they had uh, football players that we were working out with that were on the track team. And uh, I would run around with those kids or whatever. And like I said, I was still in the best shape of my life. Yeah. And so I'm like, man, if these guys are running track, I was like, what time do you run? Da-da-da-da-da. I was like, if I'm out here smoking you guys, like maybe I could actually make something happen. Wow. And so while I was... Uh, enrolled at cal i went and talked to the track coach because he was the same track coach that was there when i was in mm-hmm. in school and i was like man I'm, I'm thinking about maybe doing some track can i just hop in and jump in your practices and fortunate enough he let me hop in the practices 
and I was I was working out with them and then uh it was one day my dad was like he was like what are you doing and I was like what do you mean he was like he was like you can't just like half do a sport he was like if you want to <laughs> run track he was like you need to go really run that's track. Your, so your pops yeah too. <laughs> <laughs> he was like you need to you need to really go run track and so um it was it was a little like I guess like just happens uh one of my friends she was a long jumper mm-hmm. and she had just moved to Arizona and there's this training group out there called Altis and there was like a hundred plus Olympic athletes training in Arizona Damn. and uh she was like if you want to run you should come out here and uh so then I ended up going out there for a week just mm-hmm. to see if I would like it mm-hmm. and uh like immediately I was like, man, there's world-class athletes here. Yeah. This is the environment I need to jump in. Yeah. So then I came back unenrolled in school, dropped out of school again <laughs> for the second time, <laughs> dropped out of school for the second time. And, uh, yeah, I enrolled in, uh, Altus and, and started training. And I was training with like, uh, World class, world class athletes, uh, Anaso Jab- Dang, He's man. a, uh, he i think i don't know what year 2015 i think he got third in the world at 200 uh andre de trains there he just got second and in the 100 and the 200 at the olympics Damn. in 2016 uh amir webb another fast uh american sprinter bj lee like it was just so many world-class sprinters i was like if i really want to learn and it at that time i only had two and a half years before the Olympics. Mm-hmm. So I was like, if I want to learn at an accelerated rate, I'm going to have to be around all these guys. Yeah. And so that was when I, that was when I was like, all right, full, full on track and field. Damn. And then was, what was the grind like for that? Cause you ended up running, you ended up, did you end up qualifying or did you? Yeah. I ended up qualifying. So you- uh, when I when I first got out there, like I thought I was fast. I thought I was fast. I was so slow. So, uh, like I still had my football body. Mm-hmm. So I, I I weighed around like one ninety five, two hundred pounds. Yeah, you and need, you needed to be at what for for track? You think I needed to be like one seventy? Sheesh. Yeah, it was rough. Like when I first got out there, like 40, 30 yards, forty yards. Like I'm with these guys. Yeah, and then but after when, that, after that, man, <laughs> them guys would take off. And, um, so I was talking to my coach, my coach Stu, um, he was like, he was like, he kind of broke it down for me in like drag racing mm-hmm. kind of terms. He was like, you're kind of like a old school muscle car. Yeah. yeah. He was Steel. like, he was like, yeah, you're fast and you got a lot of power, <laughs> but he was like, you're lining up against Ferraris. Yep. <laughs> and so he was like, your power to weight ratio isn't as good as theirs, even though they're skinny and 150 pounds. He yeah. was like they have enough power to move their body faster than you do because you're so heavy. Yeah. And so that's when I, uh, I really started like honing in on what I, I put in my body and what I was eating. And then the weight started dropping and time started dropping. And then like, uh, fast forward when I first got there, fast forward, uh, about a year and a half, mm-hmm. the standard to make it to the Olympics was ten sixteen, And the first meet of that year, I ran ten sixteen. Where was that meet at? That was in San Diego. Wow. Yeah, and it was crazy because there was a meet the weekend after. So I just went to San Diego just to like get some rust off mm-hmm. before I raced in the, the meet <laughs> the, the meet at ASU. Yeah. And that was a big meet. I just went out there to get some rust off. And yeah. I wasn't even really like, I'm not going to say I wasn't focused, but I was just kind of like, I was chilling. Yeah. And then I got out the blocks and I was like, man, I'm moving. <laughs> And then, and then, so that once you once you qualify that early, are you obligated to continue to run? Or uh, no, actually, you don't have to. Did you? Yeah, did you? I, but I did. Okay. Yeah, because at that point, I'd only had like maybe five, five or six races gotcha. under my belt. Gotcha. So like track was still kind of new. So I wanted to get some more races just to get more comfortable. Um, but yeah, man, I ran that time, and then um, uh, I informed St. Lucia's committee. And got the ball rolling with that. Damn. So what's that process like? My bad. I, I'm just you. You drop so many gems. Yeah. Like that's that's just fascinating to me because you know you see it 
from afar and you think you understand, but there's like anything, there's hella intricate parts. So yeah. this this one is is even more interesting because when um like as far as the Saint Lucian people go, like the people that live there, mm-hmm. they they showed so much love yeah. because they were already showing love because they knew I would, I played football exactly. So like uh and my aunt, I still got a lot of family over there. Yeah. So like everybody was showing love, but when it came to the Olympic committee, Mm-mm. they was not showing no love. Damn. Yeah, they kind of they kind of gave me the like the the year American look. Mm. So uh, it was a, it was a little bit of a hurdle for me to actually get to the Olympics, even though I actually qualified. Yeah. Because it, it they just they they won't admit it, but they didn't they didn't want me to run because I guess they feel like I wasn't really. A St. Lucian because I didn't grow up and gotcha. go through the St. Lucian training and yeah. everything like that. But uh, at the same time, it was like I kind of was like, "Hey, I, I'm St. Lucian, like by law," <laughs> <laughs> and I ran the time. So yeah. it's like they could. There's nothing they could really do. So uh, did you? You you didn't have to get legal involved, did you? Or no, no, okay. no, no. So just a lot of lot of back and forth and a lot, lot of ton of red tape for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. They try. They tr- they definitely tried to stop me from running. How? Yeah. What? When you say stop you from what does that even look like? Like, uh, here's a a good example. So, I went out there the summer before the Olympics, like uh, maybe four three months before the Olympics, and there's a string of track meets in the Caribbean. Mm. And when I got there, like. My intention was like, I'm on the team. I'm going to be running for St. Lucia in these yeah. track meets. So when I get there, they're like, uh, they sent me a list of things I had to do before I can actually get on the team. Mm. And I was like, so I was reading some of the things. One was like, get your passport. And I was like, that's that's easy. But St. Lucia is like couple couple of decades behind <laughs> so like in order for me to get my passport i had to go to this building yeah. and fill out this paperwork but then take then, that to the yeah take that to the other building across the street that's to gonna send you right back to the picture <laughs> and then you gotta go to this building over here stand in line for like three hours but um and and it was funny because when i when i when we were having the email conversation they were like everything's just going to be taken care of for you like we'll get your passport like that but when i got there man i had to do everything myself yeah and uh but luckily like like i said my aunts lived there my my dad's been there for his whole life so he's real familiar so my family helped me facilitate all that getting all that stuff done and then we actually went to a meet in uh the virgin islands Mm -hmm. and so i land there i'm checking in the hotel and everything and then one of the coaches comes and tells me that uh in order for me to run this is a friday night in order for me to run saturday morning i need to get a letter from usa's track and field like team which i don't even know because i've never ran for usa's tracking team saying that i'm not on usa's team bro are you kidding me and i swear so friday night you're running in the morning after i had been in saint lucia for a month and something yeah they wait until the night before i'm actually running and we had had a relay team put together and stuff like that and so I had to tell the guys, I'm like, I can't even run with y'all tomorrow. I don't even know if I can run tomorrow because I got to get this letter or whatever. And so uh, thank God for te- technology yeah. because I get on social media, I get on Twitter. And I like the first thing I tweeted, I was like, who has any contacts for USA coaches or whatever? How like many that. people hit you? Heck of people hit me. That's what's up. And so I started sending emails, sending text everywhere. And then um, the letter didn't come until the next week. So I had to run in the meet, but I had to run uh, unattached. I couldn't run as a Saint Lucian. So you couldn't Lucian. relay. Do I couldn't relay. do a relay. I couldn't run as a Saint Lucian athlete. And so uh, that's just like a small example that's of so some sick. of the, that's some, of, sick. some of the hurdles that I had to <laughs> had to uh, come across to 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 get what was like rightfully mine. Exactly. So, it was uh it was that was a little eye opening, a little crazy experience for mm. me, but I didn't let it taint the the fact that I was an Olympian, yeah. So what the um so then, you know, you, you I assume all that shit got worked out. Yeah. And there was no more of that. And what was the rest of the process like for you? Uh after that it was really just about like 
making sure my family was taken care of in mm-hmm. terms of getting to Brazil mm-hmm. and where they were staying because they didn't aid in that at all wow. either. Wow. So that was the main thing and then just training. Yeah. Yeah. So once uh once I had my parents set up where with their flights in their hotel, then it was just about training and getting ready for the biggest race of my life. And then what was you know everything leading up to it and getting ready and getting to brazil what was that that was just crazy the first of all the opening ceremony was nuts like i i you know, you know how you know the world is big but but until you actually see like for every example, country represented every country for example the uh the cafeteria was about as big as a football field right yeah and that's where everybody eats yeah and each little section, like they had their own food that was made for them, so you can try other cultures. So like, I'm I'm getting some food over here, and then I'm walking to where our little team is set up, mm. and I'm passing like all different types of languages. Damn. Just it's just like that's crazy. Like yeah, you setting it up like that as like, well. <laughs> it's just nuts. Like my mind was just blown. I'm like, man, I really have to travel. Like, yeah, the world is a lot bigger than I really thought it was, and so. Damn. That that was one of the most like eye opening experiences just to see every culture represented in one's place was mm-hmm. just like it was amazing. Uh and the other crazy thing is this was crazy because um I was like I was texting some of my boys and I was like, Man, I swear I hope I'm in Usain Bolt's heat. Yeah. I swear I'm gonna I, I was like I I know I'm gonna be in Usain's Bolt's heat <laughs> and um like I think like a day before we run, they come out with the heat sheets and it was like, bam, yep, I'm in Usain Bolt's heat. <laughs> uh, and so at the time, my coach had been like telling me, are you going to be able to run? Because track meets, like if you go to a track meet, there's only like 500 people there or whatever mm-hmm. until it's like the Olympics. And so my coach was like, are you going to be able to handle to run in front of a crowd? I was like, man, you know, I played in the league. Like, yeah, man, come get out, get out of here. Yeah, <laughs> you like I was like, college stadiums would have ninety thousand people. Yeah. I was like, I'm good with crowds. I'm not worried about that. But no, I was completely wrong. <laughs> I was so far from right. Uh, so we walk out there, and because it's Usain Bolt's heat, the whole stadium goes crazy. Yeah, which I'm used to. Like I'm used to people yelling. <clears throat> So everybody's yelling like I'm actually feeling good, too, because I could feel the energy. Yeah. And so I'm like waving up my hands, pumping up the crowd and stuff like I'm thinking they're cheering for me, (laughs) (laughs) knowing they're cheering for you, same boat. But uh, so you get out there, you set up your blocks, you do a couple of like runs, push outs. um, But then it has to get quiet before the race starts. Yeah. So you hear that. And that's the part that I was not ready for. Like we were standing. Was it dead silence? too? Yeah. We were standing in front of the blocks and like it's still just erupting because everybody sees Usain Bolt. So the crowd is just still loud. And then they get on the loudspeaker and they're like, shh, like everybody be quiet. Everybody be quiet. Still couldn't get them to be quiet. Usain Bolt goes like this, tells everybody to be quiet, waves his hands. He does a little mouth like shh. And then everybody gets quiet, and it is so quiet, like oh, dead silence. <laughs> the juice. And Talk there about is the like juice. ninety thousand people, and it's you can't hear a thing. And all I start hearing is my heartbeat, boom, 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 boom. <laughs> <laughs> my heartbeat starts racing. Like I wasn't ready for that. I wasn't ready for the uh, silence. Like I had so the much noise adrenaline. Is fine. The silence, yeah, and then the it got sil- dead silent, and I was just like, man, is it's like. Uh, you ever feel 90,000 people staring at you Damn. not saying a word that that was kind of a uh, uh, eerie feeling that's many bro that sounds crazy <clears throat> yeah and then like when the when the gun went off like I don't even know what happened like I just started running <laughs> which is the worst thing you can do <laughs> this is the worst what'd you, thing you what'd do. you finish I uh I ended up taking I think uh seventh in my heat okay ended up running I think it was a 10-4 which was not a good time for me but um but like going into it, a lot of my uh, teammates that I was training with, mm-hmm. they were telling me like it took them like 10 meets at that level to actually get comfortable with running Yeah, at that kind of on that kind of stage. Yeah. And so I was trying to block that out and be like, nah, I'm good. I can handle yeah. it. But that's a That's a whole nother beast that's in another, itself. Dog, yeah. That sounds crazy. Yeah. You know, it never even again. On some outside looking in shit, you never consider that element of it. Yeah, you feel man. me? Like that's that shit was crazy. What um 
where you I, I mean as an as an as a competitor you know what 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 were you feeling like after were you able to just go nah i'm i'm an, i'm an, i can say i'm an olympian were you able to just hang your hat on that or were you work or you were you pissed uh it was a little bit of both uh i was a little disappointed in myself mm-hmm. because uh I didn't run the, I didn't, I wanted to PR. So yeah. I wanted to run in the 10 one range. And if I would have done that, I would have advanced to the next uh, round. Mm. But at the same time, it's like, I kind of, I kind of patted myself on the back because I'm like, I wasn't even supposed to be here. Yeah, like man. at all. Like this wasn't <laughs> even a thought of mine at like, all. three years ago. And then bam. And, and bam, I'm Shit. here. So at the same time, I was kind of like, I did what I set out to do. Yeah. And so, uh, one thing it made me realize is like, I, I, I kind of aim too low. I feel like, mm. because when I started running track, my, I was only aiming at making the Olympics. Yeah. And so that's what I did. And so right after that race, I was like, man, never sell yourself short. Ever. Like I should have aimed higher. Wow. I should have aimed for a medal and never know what would happen. That's a, that's one hell of a perspective. Yeah, man. And then, so then what, what's the. What goes? What go? What happens around that? The flight home, you know, thinking about what's next, and then you go. Oh, my music! Like, is that how that? Uh, I imagine that's how that went, or did it? Was it different? It was. Uh, uh, it was. It was kind of similar to that. Um, after after the Olympics, uh, I was kind of I was kind of on the fence if I wanted to keep running or not. Mm-hmm. Um, like for for those who don't know track and field it's like if you're not top five top 10 in the 100 meters you don't really make any money Hmm. and i had invested a lot of money and a lot of time in those three years to get ready for that and um and it wasn't look like i was gonna reap some benefits off of that investment so uh it took me a little bit of time but then i decided yeah it's 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 i'm not gonna run anymore Mm -hmm. um and another thing was also my age. I'm 29 now, about to turn 30. Mm. Uh, the next Olympics, I'd be 32. Mm. And for a track athlete, that that's a pretty good age. But with my football background and all the injuries I had doing football, mm. like I, I I could tell. Like even I'd say when I first got out to Arizona, it was 2014. Like I still felt like young and fresh mm-hmm. 15 kind of still had it and then actually 16 when the olympic was mm-hmm. like that's when i kind of feel it i felt a change yeah like working out was not the same the for bounce me back and all yeah, that yeah, like, yeah now if it's like i i get a little twinge in my hamstring or mm-hmm. my hip or something like before that's like a, a couple hours i'm yeah, good yeah and now it's like a couple weeks <laughs> <Fam>. yeah <laughs> <laughs> give me a minute give me yeah. a minute <laughs> so uh i think it was it was those two factors that kind of played a a role into me not not deciding to to go forward with track and, and then another thing is like i just said i i, I probably set, set my uh, goals too too small mm-hmm. Because when I, when I started off, it was just like, I just wanted to make the make Olympics. Olympics. And you're like, yeah, I did that. And then, so I did that. So yeah. it was like, it, if 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 I could go back, I think I would have aimed higher. But um, but yeah, so, so then it was like, what's next? Mm. And so I was still living in Arizona at the time. And like I said before, even off, off the uh, mic, uh, music has been... Like something that I've always Prevalent. done as yeah, a hobby. Yeah, it's always been there. Yeah, yeah, it's always been something that I've done as, as a hobby. So uh, I, when I got back to Arizona, I enrolled in a. Um, it was a nine month program for audio engineering, mm-hmm. and so uh, that really that turned the hobby into something that I could feel like I could make a career out of. Yeah, and that is the school was called CRAS Conservatory of Recording Arts and Sciences. Mm. And uh, I had a blast doing that. That was the first time like I knew anything. Before that, I was just <laughs> I I turn on the radio and <laughs> and hear a beat, and then I would just go try to copy it, yeah. not knowing what I was doing. Yeah. No EQs, no, no nothing, nothing, nothing. <laughs> nothing. <laughs> I all everything was just busting speakers. <laughs> <laughs> but then um, 
I learned the science behind it, and that that turned into a, a like a newfound appreciation for, for every part aspect of for, it. I didn't know how much stuff goes into music mm-hmm. for it to be that quality, and so uh, I kind of found a new newfound love for it. Damn man, yeah. Well, and then, cause you, I mean, again, going back, you know, all the way back to elementary days, your your boys, your your boy. Nick 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 is is the is the is doing it and is and has been doing it for a minute now. Um how 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 if if any, how influential or instrumental was he, you know, in uh I'd say I definitely because uh a funny story about him is uh I think it was around sixth grade, his mom bought him a um a turntable set Mm -hmm. and that was sixth grade seventh grade our dances guess who was dj nick nick (laughs) nick was djing our seventh grade dances eighth grade dances and so um and then he went to high school and started to go dave Mm -hmm. and so uh i feel like i've always been just just that connection with knowing him Mm -hmm. music has always seemed like something like you could do yeah because i've seen somebody else do it yeah and so, and even today, like, I uh, was like two weeks ago, I was in LA and mm-hmm. I chopped it up with them. And so, um, it's just something that, something that I'm kind of putting my, more of my focus into. Yeah. Now. Yeah. yeah. That's dope, man. I, um, I, well, we talked about it, you know, off air, I was giving you sort of a rundown of what the show was and, but re- a, a really, really intricate part of the entire sort of concept is like, life life has this funny way of just taking you on one you know and uh and i I definitely feel blessed in that regard to have just to have interacted with some extraordinary people you know from elementary school all the way through school all the way through now you know um and so a cool way to sort of document my own trajectory is to just you know tap into people who have who have and are doing great things and just really, you know, find out what their process is. And, you know, this, this conversation was fucking crazy because of every, you know, everything and, and, you know, how open you were and everywhere you've been, but, you know, also your, your mindset. So I'm not even, I got a feeling like the best is yet you know like, Man, like but that's that's the point <laughs> i feel like that's the point of of just being human yeah it's always about uh progress yeah i mean uh like you could take anybody that anybody looks up to and of course they've done a lot of great things but if you ask that person they're probably not really focused on those things that they did Seriously. they're always focused on what's next yeah and that's the only way to just just keep getting it you always have to be trying to better yourself whatever your craft is like you have to be good at it yeah and you have to constantly be trying to sharpen those tools and so that's that's one thing that i feel like sports in general has taught me it's Mm. like you you get out of it what you put into it if you put the time in people are going to real see that and appreciate it and then and then you just gotta you just gotta keep grinding the the more you grind the better you're gonna get no matter what it is Man, Javit, thank you for fucking being on Meet man. the Brave, bro. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Appreciate it, man. Yes, sir. Anytime. This was a special edition of Meet the Brave, a uh, two-parter, my conversation with Javit Best. Thank you all for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.